Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL toll-free call-in line here on Free Talk Live. It's Mark with you. And Wayne. Doing a the, the live Wednesday edition of Free Talk Live. You can call in, talk about whatever you want to talk about. And, you know, the show's interactive that way. It, we, we, we don't mind to step down talking about what we've been talking about to talk about whatever you want to talk about. It's not that big of a deal. Also, the website, it's interactive. You can go to freetalklive.com. You can uh, link to stories and blog posts and pictures and that kind of things there if that's what you wish to do and uh, people will vote up your story vote it down you can vote theirs up vote it down it's a big interactive community at freetalklive.com wayne there's a story from the sovereign man about how to uh what go to college and keep your debt down is that right the story's entitled the best way to stay out of student loan debt and boost your resume gotcha Despite the mind-numbing mantra we constantly hear from our political leaders and central bankers that inflation does not exist, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) Yeah, you're right, there are certain parts of our lives where even a freeze-dried coffee bean can see that prices are certainly rising. At the grocery store. Grocery store, sure. At the doctor's office. Yeah. At the gas pump. Yeah. One of these places is also our hollowed institutions of higher learning. That's... Some of the highest, uh, I mean, that's price inflation, but you could, I mean, (laughs) prices are going up there and it's crazy. Especially when people can borrow an unlimited amount of money to get their kids a college education. Well, they can and they're sold a bill of goods that it's always a good idea to borrow that money. Always borrow as much as you can, get the best education you can, blah, 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 blah. When in fact, college is really... I, I think oversold, frankly. Mm. I'm, I'm not saying that if you're going to be a doctor, lawyer, engineer, or whatever, that you don't need to go to college, because I think that those careers do need to go to college, specialty colleges. I think that in some cases, engineers, you know, engineers having to go to art appreciation class doesn't make any sense to me either. Mm-hmm. And the first two years of a bachelor's degree where you get those core requirements, I, you know, I'm a little dubious of, of those things, too. Well, Bill Gates dropped out of college, and so does Steve Jobs. And I remember reading a keynote address that Steve Jobs had presented to a college back in 2004 where he said he dropped out of college. And then for, I think, something like a year after that, he was just auditing classes. And he was going to all these different classes that, interested, uh, that he was interested in rather yeah. than what he had to take. And one of them was calligraphy which ended up being a big part of, of what he did at Apple with, with fonts. Huh. Interesting. The, you know, I, I, and that's the, the other thing about this is you can audit. In many colleges, you can audit classes for free. So if it was really about the knowledge that was available, if that's what it really was about, then you wouldn't either A, wouldn't be able to audit the classes, or B, auditing the classes would be as good as uh, anything. Mm-hmm. But if you... If you go to an, a, a prospective employer and say, well, yeah, I don't have a doctorate, but I've taken all the classes at Dartmouth for that doctorate, they're going to look at you like they don't even know what to say. They're not even <laughs> going to know what to say to that uh, because it's you're just so unusual. Yeah, yeah, I, I did everything it took except spend the $200,000. Yeah. And that's what the money's for. The money's for the piece of paper, you know? That's right. So in a lot of cases with these auditing these classes, you can't even prove that you were there other than, you know, taking a picture of yourself in the class or something. That's right. And starting in the late 70s when we were having all this inflation, the the price of a college education rose at that time quite a bit, but still was pretty affordable. And and Jimmy Carter started the student loan program, and the rest is history. Uh, after that, if you look at the uh, trajectory of, of of the cost of a college education, it's skyrocketed mm-hmm. since 
the institution of these federal student loans. And then there was a period during the 80s when, when you heard all these complaints that all these kids are, are stiffing the student loan program. Yeah. So that's when they passed the law that you can't even discharge that loan even in bankruptcy. So right. you're a debt slave. And now that it's the the price of of a college education is so so high, you know, you could be easily be 50 to 100,000 dollars in debt when you get out of school. Easily. 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 And you have to ask yourself when you're that kind of, you know, with that kind of debt. In some cases, you know, these the interest on this can be 7 and 8% um and you know how are how are you going to pay that off? Um, you know if if a pack of cigarettes needs a warning that says um, you know that this may cause lung cancer, the the uh, the grad the um, sign up sheet for college should say warning you could end up at Starbucks. I mean, <laughs> you know, I, there's a there's a lot of people working at Starbucks, working bartenders, waiting tables with degrees in communications and the French horn and you know just a variety art of history. Things. Right. A, a mm. lot of things that you just don't need it for. But, you know, those things are all cool to study. But yeah, that's, no the pro- that's the problem, though, is that you go to school if you want to start study art history, but maybe you don't want to be a professor of art history. Does that education in art, art history pay off in the workplace when you get out? And the answer is no. I don't think so. It's, it's not going to pay off. Some people will say that just having a degree is a value. And I'd say that there's something to be said for that sure. on your first job. But... My first job was when I was 12 years old, and the, the expectation was at that point that I would not be out of elementary school. I don't believe I was out of elementary school before I uh, got my first job. I think it was uh, the end of sixth grade when I started working at this uh, the, the comic book store. And and frankly, <laughs> you know, I, I've taken a little bit of college, and I just don't see the value in paying people to tell me what to do. I don't mind getting paid by people. To tell me what to do. And I don't mind telling people what to do that I'm paying. But people telling me what to do that I'm paying just doesn't make any sense to me. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I've never gotten it and things have been fine for me. And I think that there are a lot of careers that you can get by on. Well, let me go on with this article these by Simon Black of, of SovereignMan.com. And then I have also another way in addition to what he has to say about this. So he says, it's no secret that the cost of... Uh, university education, especially in the United States, is staggering. Tuition at private schools in the U.S. averages $30,000 annually, and students often graduate over $50,000 in debt, which we talked about. Sure. This leads to a fancy form of indentured servitude. Students with this kind of debt load are forced to take the first paid work they can find, and they'll work for the next 14 years of their life just to get back to zero. Yeah. Graduate By school. the way, I, I've, I've, um, you know, I'm, I say that I don't have a degree, and that much is true, but it doesn't mean I don't have student loan debt. I got myself a wife who now stays at home with the kid who's got herself one of these fancy degrees. Yes. Well, it's good to have a wife with a degree. Uh, wife with a degree? Yeah, yeah. right. Well, why? <laughs> what good is it doing me? Yeah. Well, then she can get the upper hand on major decisions because she's, yeah. <laughs> she's got the piece of paper. Graduate schooling can be even more painful. Top MBA programs can charge 50000 per year or more, and for those who still cling to the idea of working their way up the corporate ladder, this has become a necessary step. Especially now in the midst of a severe recession, it has be, uh, become a new trend for people to head back to school, firm up their credentials, and wait out the economic downturn. I have a better solution yeah. for you to consider. I, he, says, he, he says head overseas. Okay. Going to a school overseas ticks a lot of boxes. For one, it's a hell of a lot cheaper, and you don't emerge deep in debt like you would back home. Second, 
the quality of the education is as good, if not better, than what you would otherwise receive. Now, the United States is known worldwide as being the place to go get a degree, though. At one time, it was okay. But well, I, th- I mean, but but you know, uh, and in fact, um, the status quo has gravity. It, it, mm-hmm. it you know, it has it you know, it, it has uh, substance in people's minds. Well, certainly, but I think the United States, in many levels, is living off reputation at this point, prior reputation. Okay. But I think nowadays but, there's a lot of countries that have caught up in past the United States. Look, but having look, a degree, don't, when, when people come here with degrees, don't they have to retake the darn things in order to get a job in their field? Only if they're a doctor, if they're in a that's professional the, field. Right, that's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah, but if they're uh, a business person, let's say, or they're in a, a corporate type person, I would think not, although they probably take some continuing education courses just to get familiar with some of the ways of, of American business as opposed to their own country. Okay. A lot, right. a lot of companies pay for courses for their for their executives. A lot, a lot of them do. Yeah, and, and he says third, the most and and most importantly, it it's just more interesting. The experience abroad will be much more fulfilling and will distinguish you from the pool. Uh, it is more of other candidates who have generic resumes. Let's say you're an Ivy you're an Ivy League type. Why pay Harvard fifty two hundred per year when you can go to the University of Cambridge? Fifty two hundred is that all? I'm sorry, fifty two thousand. Okay, <laughs> when you can go to the University of Cambridge in England for about nineteen thousand a year. Wow, that's Ca- a big difference. Yeah, Cambridge is consistently rated as Hold one on of the top universities in the world. Eight fifty five, four fifty free, free talk live. As a smoker, you know traditional cigarettes are unhealthy, and the taxes be the very beast stealing your freedom to smoke. That's why the Vapor Station offers an assortment of electronic cigarette kits. Each rechargeable, refillable kit is an effective, affordable alternative to smoking. No combustion, no tar, no foul, lingering odors, and no smoke, secondhand or otherwise. Just inhale pure enjoyment and exhale vapor. Take a puff just about anywhere without getting hassled. Get your e-cigarette kit now at VaporStation.com. Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL toll-free call-in line, 855-450-3733. Check out Free Talk Live where you can go see the cam. Uh, You can see... Wayne and I here, we can wave at you. You'll notice that Ian is not in the room, the main host on uh, Free Talk Live. How many days has it been now? We are on uh, day 22 of the Ian Freeman incarceration count-up. Because I don't know whether or not, when he's getting out precisely, so I'm counting up rather than counting down. It could be between 60 and and 90 days, essentially. So um, there is uh, news on that, and I want to get to that, but we do have a call on the line, so I don't want to, uh, to meander too far. Have you ever wondered how they could possibly fix the deficit crisis in Washington? Jeff Marone, a Harvard economist, makes it real clear what the problem is and proposes a solution. See this video and several others of the favorites that I've picked out at learnliberty.org slash FTL. And the list keeps growing because I keep on finding more I like. When you're there, check out the Learn Liberty Academy link on the right-hand side. It's a course for people who want free online continuing education, economics, philosophy, liberty, and rights. It's learnliberty.org slash FTL. And uh, we've been reading this article about uh, higher education. And the fact is, you can get all the education you want on the Internet. 
You just won't get the degree. Let's go to Sophie calling from the UK. Sophie? Hi. How now, are you? All is well. You? I'm fine. Right. Okay. Uh, time to talk about Dale Farm. Dale Farm. Okay. I've got the story. Yep. I, I actually have the story. You're right. Yeah. It's about um, a, 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 a land owned by some gypsies. Um, who have who's, uh, who half the homes on that land haven't had planning permission from the local council, and as of midnight, twenty minutes ago, they now face eviction. So, um, and I, I think this is an utter disgrace. Um, how much land you know, is this? Um, it's 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 not that big. Um, I've seen aerial photographs of it. I guess it's a couple of fields. Um, now, back in the 70s, uh, some gypsies bought this land, and as I said, the council gave permission for about 50 homes to be built. I see. Or 50 car- caravan- uh, trailers to, to be parked there. Right. Um, but since then, another 50-odd families have moved in. Oh, I see. And that's the, 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 the pro- uh, you know, the, 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 yeah, but the um, they somehow have, have um, contravened uh, planning laws. Um, there are quite strict restrictions on uh, building on the green belt. However, supermarkets the green belt? seem to get the green belt's a, a, a land round London to ensure that lo- the urban sprawl doesn't, you know, go further than than the current boundaries. Gotcha. Um, but supermarkets get round this. Um, just up the road in Pitsy, and I, I used to know someone who, who lived lived nearby this. There's Tesco's have one of their biggest superstores and you know because tesco's can afford and, and sainsbury's on the and the other big major supermarkets here can afford to bribe local councils now what has happened is that um this infection notice has come come about because the the neighboring landowners have complained and shall we say contributed to lo- uh, the election campaigns of certain uh, council members on the local council oh that's not a bribe to- that's just a contribution to their campaign <laughs> yeah. So you're telling me? Are you telling me that the? Uh, are we calling these folks gypsies? I don't know. Um, you know these. Uh, what I, I don't know what the term is. I've heard the term pikey too, and I don't know any of them. Um, uh, to me, gypsies were was a uh, you know people from Romania, or Ro- the Rom Romney or something like that. Yeah, there, there, yeah, but there are Irish traditions of uh, gypsies. They're usually referred to as Irish travelers. I say travelers. Um, I like travelers yeah. better. I can live with that. Um, so. Uh, uh, I- Pikey, Pikey's rather a derogatory remark. Okay, yeah, you know, I wouldn't um, know. I I did see that movie, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the, well, this is the, the, the kind of the the, the Irish. Uh, this this site is pos- um, mostly populated with 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 Irish travellers. No, but I mean, what I what I, I just think it's a disgrace that you know the neighbor, the, na- the neighbor, you know, the na- people who own the neighbouring land. And uh, are complaining about the devaluation of their property. I bet, yeah. Um, and you know, I think this is just quite discriminatory because you can you, you, you can say you know anyone can say their next door neighbour is uh, is devaluing their land because they're doing etc. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, there is an anti-gypsy sort of um, mentality in this country. I mean, racism against gypsies seems to be the last sort of acceptable racism. Mm. Um, and I think it's a disgrace. I mean, you've had prominent uh, uh, people like Vanessa Redgrave uh, campaigning for these people. 
Um, Who's there's that? going to be a big rally there on Saturday if, they, if the eviction has, hasn't already gone ahead. And the other thing is, this is the, the eviction is going to cost the council a third of their budget. Whoa, that's a big eviction. Yeah. It- yeah. Um, and I kind of thought, well, if they're going to spend money, you know, why not spend money on, on helping the, uh, these travellers smarten, smarten their place up, then the, then the next door neighbours wouldn't right. complain about the devaluation of their If they're going to spend the money, they- spend it on a wall. You know, mm-hmm. put put a fence up. You know, so there's people... some big pine trees all around. Indeed, put put in yeah. some foliage. From what I've seen, there are trees and there are trees and a fence. There are but, trees you know, and a fence. The... Sorry, there are trees and a fence. Yeah, there already are. But the, the bottom line is, Mark, it doesn't matter what the, these these gypsies do. It, it's just the fact that people don't like gypsies. Yeah. They don't like people, you know, I mean, the, the gypsy community is, is in some ways a bit like the, the Jewish community in that it, it's quite introverted, it's quite insular, Yeah. Um, and I think that that's, you know, the pe- people are always wary of communities which look inwards. Yep. It's, it's a matter of fact, uh, the Amish were a good example of this throughout the, uh, the you know, the early part of the founding of the United States in uh, the first century or so. They were always they were scared to death of those Amish, those German folks, what they what they were going to do. But there's also a lot of there's been rumblings over the years that gypsies go into the cities and pick people's pockets and steal, whereas the Amish don't really do that. Uh, what are the what are these group of gypsies all about? Um, well, they're, they're travellers, and, and a lot of them actually work. I mean, yeah, that is always the accusation that, you know, as soon as there's a gypsy site nearby, but the crime crime rate goes up. I mean, I have been pestered, you know, there used to be a gypsy site near where I live, and I was pestered a few times by uh, uh, gypsies selling heather and, and demanding money and, and whatever else. But, you know, I don't think that's the whole of the gypsy community. I just think that's, mm-hmm. you know, a minority. Yeah, Heather? You have it for your lark. It's it's a gypsy tradition. Uh, you know, cross your palms. So I, I don't. I don't. Quite, I'm not. You know, um, up on gypsy, um, on gypsy tradition. But there has been a recent Channel Four series, My Big Gypsy Wedding, which has sort of given <laughs> some light on the on the um, on the gypsy community. So they, but is their tradition to take this little dead branch and uh, you know put it, rub it across your palm, and that's good luck or yeah, something? Yeah, 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 something like that. Yeah, that's a good and way to get money, I suppose. It doesn't cost you yeah. anything. Inventory's low. Placebo effect. <laughs> Very st- strange. But, I mean, you know, there's, there's no shortage of communities that'll do things like this. There was the, uh, the Hare Krishnas in airports would yeah. sell the flowers and ask for contributions or whatever. The dance real good. And as far as I'm concerned, people should be able to do what they want on their own land. If this is gypsy-owned land and, you know, it was good enough for 50 caravans, why is it not good for 100, in my opinion? And I think, I think this is a- absolutely a bias. I agree with you. Sophie, thank, thank you for the call. 855-450-3733 Free Talk Live This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Nestle Pure Life Water helping you drink better and live better by providing a zero calorie alternative to sugary drinks Visit us at nestle-purelife.us When kids are playing, they often don't want to stop to keep hydrated. So send them out with a bottle of water and encourage them to take frequent drink breaks or call them inside for a quick sip. For more tips like these, visit us at parenthood.com slash your family today.
Free Talk Live, 855-453. It's the SACL toll-free call in line, 855-450-3733. Give us a call. Talk about whatever you want to talk about. Ruger's new SR-40C is the compact version of the recoil-reducing striker-fired SR-40 pistol. It's one of the slimmest, most ergonomic, full-sized 40 caliber pistols on the market today. The SR-40C is based on the same high-performance glass-filled nylon frame as those used on so many great Ruger pistols, offering the same features, including a slim frame, short trigger reach, reversible backstrap, and ambidextrous controls. The SR-40C features a throw-hardened stainless steel slide or alloy steel slide with Nitrodox pro-black finish. You can see it at Ruger.com and purchase it at your local gun dealer. Again, it's Ruger. Dot com. Ruger always has and always will mean rugged. Yeah, the new C-series uh, are very nice. Which ones are those? Is that oh, the compacts? The compact, okay, yeah. I, see. I thought yeah. you were going to say something that starts with a C. Yeah, the SR-40 and the SR-9 are essentially the same thing. The SR-9's been out longer, and mm-hmm. then they came out with a C Caliber version. Which, different. Yeah, but the C version of the, of the SR-9, a lot of people prefer it to the regular SR-9. Mm. And now the SR-40C is the 40 caliber version of that. They've got um, they they have another uh, small compact uh, nine millimeter that we uh, we've talked about here on the air a couple of times and that's uh, you know, Ruger's got a lot of offerings over there and you can just t- go take a look. It's Ruger dot com. Let's go back to this uh, story about uh, higher education, Wayne. Yes, we were talking about graduate school, how that's even more expensive, ridiculously expensive than undergraduate school, and how Harvard is is fifty two thousand dollars per year. And the author is, says that, well, you can go to University of Cambridge for $19,000 a year, which is less than half. And Cambridge is consistently rated as one of the top universities in the world. Same quality education at a fraction of the price. Now, if that sounds like too much, consider a place like Hong Kong University. Tuition at Asia's top school is around 15000 per year. Hmm. And there are plenty of scholarships and financial aid packages available. Not to mention that you'd be networking with future movers and shakers in the region. That much is true. Still too much? Look at Erasmus University in the Netherlands, whose Rotterdam School of Management is one of the top business schools in, in Europe. Tuition at the all-English program is around 11500 per year. And this is graduate school? Yes. Holy macaroni! Yeah, 73% less than Notre Dame's Mendoza School and 26% less than Michigan's Ross School of Business. Wow. You know, um, one of the things that they claim, though, that uh, you get when you go to you know, Wharton or whatever is it's contacts. It's all sure. about those contacts. And but you, but the fu- a lot of people feel the future of, of, of uh, business worldwide is going to be in Asia. So That much is true. With, all the, people do. with so much industry moving there that actually it's, it would, might be better to learn Mandarin Chinese like Jim Rogers talks about how he moved to Singapore so his little girls can learn Mandarin Chinese and actually have a future. So, if that's still too much, try Albert Einstein's alma mater, the Swiss Federal Institute of Technology, ETH in Zurich. If you uh, make the cut, ETH's tuition fee is a whopping $750 per semester for both undergraduate and graduate programs, and the school is typically ranked among Europe's top five universities. Uh, tell me one more, one more time who, who that is. What, what, what university is this? That is... Uh, Swiss Federal University, I'm sorry, Swiss Federal Institute of Technology in Zurich, Switzerland. And that has an English program? It's, uh, well, it didn't say that. Well, let's see. They're, they're, no, there are both undergraduate and graduate programs. Uh, let's see. It doesn't say whether it's English or not. I would assume it might be. But that's $750 per semester for both graduate and undergraduate. Here's the bottom line wow. if you're facing an uphill battle for prospects and opportunities, get creative. 
Don't simply follow the same path everyone else is taking. The world is a big place. Stop limiting yourself by geography and start looking overseas for solutions. And I would have to agree with him on that. Yeah. That's, you know, that's, there's a lot of a lot of great solutions overseas. I absolutely agree. And this is uh, this is from what, SovereignMan.com. Yes, Simon Black. Simon this Black. Is his, this is his shtick, no doubt. Um, is this overseas stuff? But I have uh, more and more been reading his blog. I think there's a lot in it that's mm-hmm. uh, very interesting. Yeah, there's a lot of good articles in his blog. I'd like to share with you what I did uh, to get through college and graduate school. Okay. I have, uh, I'm in the Eat oldest. crackers of, at uh, the Wendy's that uh, when they weren't looking? Well, it's just something to think about if you don't want to go overseas. I'm the oldest of three kids, and I chose to go to a private university uh, back starting in the late 70s. And then, of course, two years later, my brother came along, and then a year later, my sister came along. So after my first year in college, uh, I did apply for an academic scholarship and got it. So my, my, my sophomore year was was less expensive, far less expensive. And then my mother decided to get a job at the university and they have tuition remission programs. Sweet. So, or you could get a job at the university after high school yep, doing that something. Does happen. And so there's, there's actually tuition remission programs. If you or a parent decide to go to work at a university mm-hmm. and they'll pay most, if not, if not all of your, your tuition. Now, the one I had uh, was good for 120 credits, and since I was starting my junior year, my mom started working there, I was able to take some credits and finish up my undergraduate and then actually go to graduate school essentially for free. Wow. And it was a time when, when it kept getting more and more expensive, so I paid for the two, first two years, which were less expensive, with, with a partial scholarship the mm-hmm. second year, and then I was able to go to my, my second and third year of undergrad and then full graduate school uh, and, and still be within those 120 credits that it was good for. That's really... That's and really, plus there was a huge discount on books, too, if, if your parent went and worked there at that time. Uh, different so universities in? A uh, business. Has it been useful to you? I just wonder about this because I, you know, I mean, business sounds like a good degree, doesn't it? I've been doing business. It seems like I might do better if I had a business degree, do you need it to do business? Well, my undergrad was marketing, and then my uh, graduate school degree was in management and, 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 and economics. And, I mean, there's some concepts there that are good, but, you know, you could learn them on your own. Yeah. And, you know, some of the most successful business people don't go to college anyway. I, I've always – I never would have gone to graduate school, but, but my mom was saying, come on, come on, go to graduate school, because she, she and my dad both had higher degree education degrees, and, and I can understand why – you know, she'd want her, her kids to also have advanced degrees. Sure. But I didn't need it. I mean, I kind of did it begrudgingly. But what I found was when I started going to graduate school that I'd been away a little while that I didn't approach it anymore as to what is the minimum amount of, of work I can do to get a B. That's how I used to approach it when I was younger. Mm-hmm. When, I, when I went to graduate school after a few years working, I went in saying, what can I learn here? And, and I got straight A's. I, I just breezed right through everything. Certainly a better way to go about it. We were uh, actually talking about uh, your son during before the show started and, uh, you know, how he's, uh, you know, got a job now. And, you know, he hasn't learned yet the uh, the trick of not of of not working very hard because when you you know there's there's always that guy out there when you work in one of these big jobs you know where there's a bunch of, when you work with other people there's always that guy out there that'll teach you how to 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 just kind of look busy and not really do anything. Yeah. And the school's full of that. I, you know, even even at the private school I went to, there was a lot of that, just getting by and getting by. And, I, you know, school might have just just about broke me for, for real work. I, you know, once I got into working, I worked at places I enjoyed working. Mm-hmm. And I liked 
that I could excel and do better and get the things that I wanted by by working hard and you know I I in some in some cases I think college is des- definitely necessary but I don't think it's about education I think it's about people just you know wanting to see that degree because like we said earlier you could just easily um what audit the classes and you know, have some kind of proof or something like that, or get some kind of degree from um, online or something like that. I mean, it's just, it's, I don't know. So in so many cases, school's a big waste of money. People yeah. go there, they they buy these degrees, and they end up working, uh, you know, restaurants and bars and coffee houses and just trying their very best to pay these things back. Well, I work with computers now, but at the time I went to college and graduate school, they were still really crude and no fun and I didn't have any interest whatsoever. I never dreamed I'd be working with computers the way I am now back then because I had no so interest whatsoever. you taught it all to yourself. I, I taught myself. You're once. in an industry, you know, making a good living in, in a w- way that you completely taught yourself. And I enjoy it. Yeah. It's just there isn't as much work right now as there once was, but I still enjoy the work I do. And I don't think there's not too many industries where there's as much work as there used to be. Probably making cigarettes and booze, there's as much work as there used to be. Maybe even a little more. And writing tickets. <laughs> right, there's that. Inside the Beltway in Washington, D.C., they don't even have, they don't even know what a depression's what are you people talking about? It's Free Talk Live, 855 450 free. The Ruger LC9, compact, powerful, and perfect for personal protection. The LC9 is only slightly larger than the popular Ruger LCP, features a checkered grip frame to provide a secure and comfortable grip, and includes a finger grip extension floor plate. The LC9 also has a dovetailed high-visibility three-dot sight system, blued alloy steel barrel, manual safety, and loaded chamber indicator. The LC9, another innovative American-made product from Ruger. Learn more about the Ruger LC9 at ruger.com lc9. Talk Live, 855-450-3733. That's the SACL toll-free call-in line. How does Cruise to Bermuda sound? Good. How about a Cruise to Bermuda with Stefan Molyneux, Wes Bertrand of Complete Liberty, and me, Mark Edge? This cruise isn't just a convention on the water. It's an unconference where the event's what you want to make of it. There'll certainly be some speeches and a debate, but the boat has an ice skating rink, rock climbing wall, miniature golf, and a whole bunch more to do. Any naked swimming? I don't know. I don't think so. Maybe not. I don't know. Ship leaves uh, Bayonne, New Jersey in November, but and you, you better get that berth now. It's cruise.freetalklive.com. If you want to go on this cruise with me, it should be a great time. Five days to Bermuda. It's cruise.freetalklive.com. And we've been uh, talking about sort of uh, higher education, schooling, how to get more for your money, graduate without debt, that kind of thing. And if you, if you in fact, even go, some people I don't think need it. And uh, we got Barney calling in from Oklahoma. Barney? Hi. How you doing? All's well. Uh, I, uh, I was going to comment in regards to the higher education, you know, self-educating yourself and yeah. everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, ha- what happened to me in 1984... 85, somewhere in that area, a seed got planted in my mind about buying real estate with nothing down. 
Okay, you know the scenario. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that was right before so, a big uh, real estate boom came about. Okay, well, 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 this is what happened. I was living on the street at that time. You know, okay. and I had my own per- my own personal problems, physical and and mental problems. You know that I had to go along with too at the time. But the fact of the matter is, is I learned. I taught myself. I went to a bookstore. And I got a book in, in regards to real estate and also self-improvement. In fact, the first book I got was a book on self-improvement called The Greatest Success in the World by Og Mandino. I've uh, certainly heard and, of Og Mandino. Um, now, yeah, well, so you're, 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 what you're saying is, is that you were living on the streets and you began to buy houses with no money down? Well, no, not okay. exactly. Okay. It, it didn't happen that way exactly. Well, what happened is I just started learning about it. So I, I learned all the, the steps of success, you know, because you are who you associate with. I, I can't okay? disagree with that statement. Okay. So uh, if I was living on the street, you wouldn't want to associate yourself with a bum, would you? So I had to keep a really low, super low profile. If you were to look at me, you know, on the street, you wouldn't tell that I, you couldn't tell I was living on the street. Okay. That, that's, okay. That, that's I, I agree with you. Proof. That's very important. So I mean, how? So you bathed probably more regularly and you dressed better, oh, correct? Oh yeah. 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 Uh, better yet, you know, uh, I lived in an old UPS van, and this was in San Diego, California. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm from. Easy to do there with the climate and, there. Yeah, yeah, and, and I got into there, there's these hotels that have SROs. What are and, SROs? And, and everything. A single room occupancy. Okay. Uh, where where you have the uh, uh, bathroom at the down at the end of the hall. Gotcha. European style, mm-hmm. I believe they call that. Dormitory style. Yeah. I, well, that that could be true, but but nonetheless, that's when I really started learning about real estate when I was, was living on the street. So I got associated with other real estate investors there in in, in town. You know. Yeah. And I and I made myself known. Okay. And so. Uh, enthusiasm really sells. Indeed it does. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about that. You know, and if you have a lot of enthusiasm, you can learn anything you want to learn. It's all about the, the it's okay. all about the mental attitude. Yeah, exactly. And so so you know, like I said, not too many people can can, can take information and this is what I discovered when I was going through the schools of the in the army, going through boot camp and going through AIT. Was this before uh, or after the homelessness on the streets in uh, San Diego? Uh, before, before. Okay. That was in 1979 and 1980 was, was the time when I was in the Army. Gotcha. Okay. And I learned that I can take information from a book and, and turn around and apply it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's exactly what I did with these books from the bookstore. So how did you um, go? So, so what were the steps you took to get from uh, homelessness to uh, pro- property baron? Well, uh, a, a lot of education in regards to uh, understanding the, 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 the points of, there's five points, okay, in, in selecting a piece of property. Okay. okay, and the first one's motivation and flexibility of the seller. The seller needs to sell for one reason or another, yep. no matter who they are. Gotcha. And number two, number two is location. You want the worst house in the best neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Okay. Number 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 three is price. You want to buy below market. Sure. Number four is financing. If you can't get financing, you can't buy it. Okay. And then so. 
That's only cut and dry. And number five is condition. How much money is going to be needing to be reinvested in this property? And if it does need money, where are you going to get it? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. You, there's always sweat equity, but you but you can't um, you know you can't there's there's you certainly have to buy stuff at the home improvement store, and you have to have money to do that. Yeah, well, yeah, they're not, they're not going to take a song and dance over there at Lowe's. No, they are not. They they don't want to hear that. Did story. you used to do a lot of your own rehab work? Yes, sir, I, I have, but yet I'm not, uh, no man is an island. Mm-hmm. Okay, I needed some other carpenters for the project that I'm working on right now. Okay? okay, but this was a few years ago when I was really doing some really hardcore work on it. And then since the banks are doing what they're doing, they're not lending out any any money like they used to. Yeah, they're holding anyway. it right now. Yeah, and and so that puts a kind of a hold on me. But but at the same time, with the education that I gave myself, you know, going to these uh, real estate nothing down seminars. Uh, I am going to uh, uh, Robert Kiyosaki and learning on how to manipulate a, a financial statement. Well, these properties that we have right now are all free and clear. Nice. Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah, that is beautiful, especially in these times, too. So um, you know? what, what advice would you have for people that uh, perhaps want to work their way up? Because, I mean, it, would, it wouldn't seem like now is the right time to do this no money down property thing, right? Well, well, I, I don't know. I, I, I really, you know, it, it, that, that's a good question, sir, because I've never ran in conditions like this before. Hmm. You know? Well, I think I've that always, a, lot, a lot... I've always wanted to deal in, in a free market society. Mm-hmm. You know? And so, and so the, the, the fact of the matter is, is if real estate can still be, okay, whatever two people agree upon... You know, nothing's oh, casting yeah. granted. Oh, yeah, I'm asking the moon, but I'm only going to get a star. Sure. You know, hey. <laughs> I think a lot of it has to do with what it'll rent for, correct? I beg your pardon, sir? A lot of what you would pay or, or a lot of what you would consider a good deal on the property is if you can buy the property and, and your monthly expenses on that are substantially lower than what you can get for it in renting it, then even if it goes down further in value, you're still going to be getting income. Yeah. Well, really, what's going to come down to is where is the money going to come from to pay for the house? Sure. It has to come from tenants. It has to be cash flow. Well, yeah, but those tenants have to have a job. Yep. Yep. They, they Good thing to, to look for. Or they can have their own job. They can have their own business. That, that's fine. In fact, I... I've sold uh, a house to a lady, okay? I sold it to her with nothing down, literally nothing down, just deeded it over the house to her and says, okay, pay me X amount of dollars for the next 15 years, okay? No credit check on her or not. Hey, she's been there over eight years. No Thank credit you very check? much. No, no credit check? check? No credit check. I don't even. I don't even worry about a credit idea. check. Yeah, but you could foreclose if she doesn't. If she stops paying. Uh, it, it, exactly. That. In fact, we sold another house almost that same way to this other lady, but we sold it to her with five percent down. Mm-hmm. And, and she. What happened to her is she made some bad business decisions, and so she had to stop paying us. And so, practical experience is your best teacher. Okay, especially when you're a mortgagee. So what did that teach I you? had to retain it. I beg your pardon. What sir? did it teach you? 
Well, what a Tommy was the process of foreclosure uh, <laughs> as compared, uh, like out here in Oklahoma, they have a whole different process. Yeah. It's probably a nightmare okay, too, versus, right? Um, well, it's not necessarily a nightmare. You know, uh, you can get it's it done with all within a year. Within a year? Okay. Well, they could they could they could take all the copper piping out of the place and be gone in a year. Well, well, well. Here, that, that's another uh, key concern is when I went into that property before I sold it and and financed the sale, I replaced all the plumbing. Mm. I mean, from the from the meter on, and it, uh, I replaced it with PEX. Mm. Barney, uh, uh, thanks for the call. We're going to have to go into. Uh, uh, we got to hey. let you go here. It's Free Talk Live, Thank 855. You Thank you very much, sir. 855-450-3733. That's exactly right. Thank you. Do you want to take back control of your own money? Then take a look at Bitcoin. Bitcoin is the world's first decentralized, anonymous internet currency. And it's gaining popularity every day. It's free to use, free to accept, and free from inflation forever. You can use Bitcoins anywhere in the world. To learn more, visit WeUseCoins.org. Your dollars are going down. Learn more about Bitcoins at WeUseCoins.org. That's WeUseCoins.org. Talk Live, 855-450-3733. That's the SACL toll-free call-in line here on Free Talk Live. It's Mark with you. And Wayne on the air guitar. <laughs> if the in out, intro-outro music sounds a little different than it usually does there. I don't know. I'm not used to that one. Yeah, that's that's a kind of a cool mood, you know. Couldn't tell you what's going on. <laughs> it's intimate. Should, most of the, the beds Ian put in, and they were uh, you know much heavier rock. Maybe that was one of them. What can I tell you? So um, there's an interesting story here from ChicagoTribune.com. And it, I think that this really shows inefficiencies in government. People will often um, say that those on uh, welfare and that kind of thing are, are folks that, that really need it. And I'm not saying that they don't. I, I think that there are some people who are on welfare that absolutely need it. But what I, I do know is one thing that we know is that 25 percent of insurance cases uh, that are filed, insurance claims that are filed are fraudulent. Now, this is in an area where insurance companies are pretty good at catching people. You can see the video all the time from the private investigators. The insurance companies leak these. So they you know get fewer people to file fraudulent claims, I guess. It benefits them to, uh, to do this. You never hear about the government cracking down on fraudulent cases. And... Hardly ever. Hardly ever. And it's because they can't really. They do, you know, they're, they're inefficient themselves. How could they ever crack down? My assumption would be that if it's 25% in the, you know, the marketplace where somebody is doing a pretty good job of policing it, that it's probably, you know, some, some percentage higher than that in the, you know, the government area. Now, I'm not, I am not willing to say that everybody on welfare doesn't need it, but the people who don't need it are making it that much worse for those that do. And I'd say, I don't know, go on a limb, half, half of them don't need it. I was just making a number up. Mm. 
This one, it also story, depend, by the way, it also depends on whether you're talking about short term and long or long term as well. Right, and and I think that, um, and and I think most people think that welfare should be a short, relatively short term thing, mm-hmm. um, until somebody can get on their feet and get back to you know to life to uh, being you know productive and all that. And that was generations on welfare. It's a terrible idea. Yeah, and that was what. Bill Clinton signed into law that so-called welfare reform bill in the 90s, which did that. It, it took a lot of people off welfare in the long term and tried to get them back to work. I don't think a Republican could have gotten away with that, but that's kind of an example of the dialectic. When they want to get something done, mm. they, they have the, the, uh, the party that, that uh, won't get in as much heat Are or su- trouble. Suggesting that, um, that Barack Obama is going to fix Medicare and, uh, and um, Social Security? No, I think he's, pro- <laughs> he's going to cut them. Well, that's that, I, frankly, you've got to do something with Social Security. I think that uh, Medicare is a disaster. The average person, um, you know, the average older person gets pays twenty five paid twenty five cents for every dollar they get out of Medicare. That is completely unsustainable. Um, also, when you're talking about Social Security, we all know that people are living longer than they used to. At the very least, bump Social Security up to seventy, um, and you know, do do something to get rid of or fix Medicare. Well, what about the the fact that since the mid '80s, Congress has been spending all the Social Security money and throwing IOU slips in in a filing sure. cabinet? Well, this They've is the problem with the having government run any of these things. Right. The, There's too much temptation. Trusting the government with these things, I don't trust them at all. I don't pay Social Security. I'm never going to give uh, give those people another penny in Social Security because I, I know what they do with it. It, they, you know, it's just a big waste. By, by the way, go to learnliberty.org/ftl and go see the video that's up there where Anthony, Anthony Davies goes over the comparison of a 22-year-old either investing in Social Security or investing in the, you know, in, in just a regular, you know, some kind of account someplace, and see what the difference is. It's, it's stunning what the difference is, and. You know, it, it makes you not want to put any money into Social Security. Especially, especially if you had really normal market interest rates where you could actually make 7% on, on a bank account. Yeah, like well, used to. I, I don't think we're ever going to get real money. You know, just it's too tempting for government to, to issue free uh, fiat currency. I'm not saying I'm not for it. I am absolutely for it. I think it's the most important issue. But... I think we are going to because the current system is collapsing and people are losing faith in it around the world now. It isn't just the United States, around like the world. Ask, it's like asking slave masters to let their slaves free. They're, they're not going to do it. Well, if enough uh, slaves get upset and, and ask for it, then they have no choice. That much is true. I'm, I, I'm <laughs> well, maybe skeptical. I'm more optimistic than you, but that's okay. A little skeptical. So this one um, speaks to the inefficiency in these uh, social welfare programs. Sex offenders paid to babysit. That's right. This is by Matthew Wahlberg of the Tribune uh, Tribune Papers here, chicagotribune.com. Cornelius Osborne may not seem like babysitting material. He was convicted of raping two women, a succession of felonies from robbing to failing to register as a sex offender, repeatedly sending him to prison. State records show. But... Over, uh, but over more than two years, the state paid Osborne nearly $5,000 to babysit two children before his latest conviction for dealing drugs put him back behind bars. Osborne of Chicago wasn't the only sex offender paid by taxpayers to babysit, according to the Tribune investigation that found cases of convicted rapists, molesters, and other violent felons given access to children over the past decade. The money comes from a $750 million a year program that subsidizes child care for more than 150,000 impoverished Illinois families. So $750 million program. They, they can't make ends meet there in Illinois. And 
It's insane. They're paying sex offenders to babysit. Well, no, Chicago is notorious for its corruption. And, and, and if, it's, if it's been corrupt for decades now, in the last decade, with everything going as crazy as, as it is. This isn't corruption, though. This is absolute uh, you know, laziness. Uh, this is just irresponsibility. And yeah, they're absolutely um, irresponsible. And you're going to find out nobody gets fired for this crap. No. The State Department of Human Services poorly vetted babysitters for years. When a 2009 law forced them uh, forced better checks, it took nearly 18 months for them uh, to start them. The newspaper's investigation of the child care assistance program found also, despite the reforms, the Tribune found that even now the state lacks safeguards to weed out babysitters who watch children while living in the homes of sex offenders and other felons deemed too dangerous. Based on those findings, the state is vowing further reforms. Now, I don't have I'm not trying to say that uh, somebody who, you know, has been convicted of rape is somehow dangerous around children or anything like that. I'm just saying that clearly these people that administer these programs are not paying attention. I think that, uh, you know, sex offenders, uh, in, in fact, People will tell you sex offenders are the most likely to reoffend, and this is a this is a patently untrue statement. Now, I haven't been able to find um, numbers on pedophiles because they won't give you those numbers. They don't mm-hmm. really distinguish between a person who was having you know a, a nineteen he was nineteen having sex with a sixteen year old and a pedophile. Yeah. And I think that that's an extraordinarily important distinction. Or, or how about how they've been overzealously charging people with sex offenses for peeing on the side of the road, for that, example. Those things, too. I mean, it depends so, on, that depends yeah. on the state as to whether or not that particular charge will be a sex offense, but it certainly is in some states. Yeah. So you can't find these things out. But sex offenders, thieves, in fact, are the most likely to reoffend. And sex offenders are well down the list of, uh, of groups, murderers being the lowest, apparently. So um, I wonder what percentage, Mark, of... of so-called sex offenders are actually a threat to society. If they're rapists, like serial rapists or serial pedophiles, maybe, probably. But if they're just somebody, like you were mentioning, who's 19, who has sex with a consensual sex with a 16 or 15-year-old, and in that state it's against the law because the age of consent is is slightly higher, well, come on, by the time, in 10 years, it's not going to matter. Right. Or even five years, it won't matter. By the time the case goes to to trial, the the girl's going to be over the age of consent anyway. And usually these cases have to do with the parents not liking the the young man, as it were. And I think that that's a terrible way to break up a relationship. But, uh, you know, once once the cops find out, then the, the ball's rolling and there's nothing that can be done about it. Yeah, and there so, doesn't seem to be any distinction between the varying degrees of sex, sex, sex offenses. Once you're labeled a sex offender, you're a sex offender. Right, and there was an interesting uh, story from Our America, which is on the Oprah Network I was watching, and it was just, it's showing that these, you know, some, some of these guys have to live in tents, towns that they make for themselves because the laws of them being anywhere too near a school, a playground, a, 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 you know, a church and all these other things make it impossible for them to find places to live. And if you're making a situation more desperate for a sex offender, do you think it makes them more likely or less likely to offend, reoffend? I mean, either kill these guys or let them return to society. Free Talk Live. 
As a smoker, you know traditional cigarettes are unhealthy, and the taxes be the very beast stealing your freedom to smoke. That's why the Vapor Station offers an assortment of electronic cigarette kits. Each rechargeable, refillable kit is an effective, affordable alternative to smoking. No combustion, no tar, no foul, lingering odors, and no smoke, secondhand or otherwise. Just inhale pure enjoyment and exhale vapor. Take a puff just about anywhere without getting hassled. Get your e-cigarette kit now at VaporStation.com. Free Talk Live, 855-450 free. It's a SACL toll-free call in line, 855-450-3733. Go to Free Talk Live, check out the archives. we got archives running way back to uh, 2006, and they're all completely free for you to download. I have made the claim on the, the show that uh, there's no other radio program out there that gives you uh, free downloads going back that far like Free Talk Live. I'm wrong. Somebody sent me a reminder today. NPR has downloads going way back. And so... Yeah, but they're no, government-funded, partially. There's no... Well, just barely. <laughs> uh, they, they actually... They could... They, didn't ha- they wouldn't have to be. They do take the money. And frankly, I'd take free money if the government wanted to give it to me, too. But I guess I really kind of meant commercial. So there's no other commercial program, and certainly not on the, uh, the, the stations that people are listening to us on that have archives going back this far. But I do thank uh, everyone for, uh, you know, please keep me as honest as I can so I can make accurate statements. It's archives.freetalklive.com. Go there, get MP3 archives going back to 2006. Get them for free. Free Talk Live. I told everybody I was going to give an Ian update, and I don't want to forget the Ian update. I don't want, you know, I'm not forgetting it. Just need to finish up this story here from ChicagoTribune.com. It's nearly impossible to determine just how many of the illegal babysitting arrangements the state has allowed. This is Illinois. The newspaper found no cases where children were harmed, although privacy laws shielded data um, needed to do an in-depth study. Still, the Tribune's findings are frustrating to uh, Senator Matt Murphy, a Republican from Palatine, who pushed the reforms for mandating better checks to weed out illegal arrangements. You're not... You're talking about not only the state sanctioning, but the state creating an economic incentive for somebody with a criminal record to be in room with a kid, Murphy said. That's frankly not a situation that I find acceptable. And, I, you know, I think I think that people with criminal records are more likely to commit crimes into the future. There's no there's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. One cannot complain, um, claim otherwise. I think that people with criminal records should be given the opportunity to live in, you know, live and make a make a way for themselves, but when it comes to the state giving babysitting money, I'm thinking you know, bank robbers and that kind of thing, not the guys to get the money. Just, <laughs> you know, just say it. You mean like a bank robber working for Brinks? <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, they say, you know, the best way to, uh, to rob a bank is to own one. There you go. Um, that's the that's the robbing the people uh, that put their money in the bank. And, you know, in a lot of cases, in one case here, they've got the actually several cases. They uh, have sex offenders. They're paying to babysit kids. Mm. So. It says advocates such as uh, Maria Whalen insist the vast majority of babysitters were above board and that the uh, 14-year-old federal state program is key to helping parents work their way out of poverty. About half of the subsidies are in Cook County, where they are administered by nonprofit Illinois Action for Children run by Whalen. So this is – she gets half of 
this $750 million, and she thinks it's a good program. Mm. I'll bet. I'll bet. This program that that is absolutely essential if we were going to, with a straight face, tell families that if they work and if they continue to develop themselves, we can help them make a difference for their families. Hey, Mark, I'd like to see her paycheck. <laughs> I'll, bet, I, I'll bet it's six figures. I would. Yeah, there's a lot of bureaucrats out there that make a lot of money. It was some. I think it was eighty-two thousand. I, I I may be getting this wrong, but it seems like it was about eighty-two thousand federal employees are getting paid more than governors of uh, states. So, yeah, there's a lot of money to be had in these big these big blue states like Illinois, California, uh, New York, New Jersey. They've got you know big big money for their bureaucrats. You can be sure of it. Program administrators have uh, gotten national recognition for weeding out parents who don't qualify for the subsidies, but records show they're struggling. Uh, for years to weed out disqualified babysitters, such as uh, Osborne, this fellow that uh, had the, um, the the sex crime. And, you know, I, I get where they're coming from. If you want people to work, they have to do something with their kids. And it makes it very, very tough. You know, my wife is a stay-at-home mom. She takes care of my son, Jack. And, you know, we do that basically because I work and she doesn't. If But the, the welfare state breaks up families. It tells them that the man can't be in the house. And obviously, in some cases, they do manage to do it, but it it doesn't create those strong family bonds that keep people in situations where, you know, they don't need that mom can be mommy care instead of daycare. So it all took um, all it took for Osborne was a 2004 application mailed in with the help of his sister, whose two children he would be paid to watch in her Inglewood apartment. She was able to pick the babysitter, so she told the Tribune she didn't worry about her brother hurting the kids, but she did worry about the state objecting. I thought he would be rejected, she said, but they didn't. I never got a call. They never asked about it. They should have. The program has long barred those convicted of sex crimes and the most violent felonies, but Osborne wasn't spotted because of how the form was filled out. It asked him if he'd ever been convicted of any crimes, and if so, which ones? His uh, response showed drug trafficking, a crime which at the time didn't disqualify him. He didn't mention the prison stints for rape, robbery, and kidnapping, which would have, and there was no record anyone uh, checked further. At the time, the state trusted Osborne and tens of thousands of other applicants, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) And this is really the point that I wanted to make here. I'm not trying to rail on sex offenders not saying that I, you know, I'm dying to have sex offenders uh, babysit my kid. I can assure you that would that would likely be a disqualification for babysitting. But I'm, you know, what it bothers me is just how inefficient these programs are. They're <laughs> convicted sex offenders, not one, but several convicted sex offenders in the state of Illinois getting paid for babysitting by the state, and that doesn't speak well of their vetting process. You know, a guy says, guy just lies this is a lie as far as i can tell on his form well if a private daycare center did that they they'd be put out of business god they'd be sued big time huge and you know this guy lies on his form and nobody ever checks it you know why isn't somebody checking uh, somebody's work here that's getting paid for this stuff i just it because they don't have to because working for the government means never having to say you're sorry and that's what it all boils down to. Nobody's getting fired for this. Nobody's even getting their hands slapped. The politicians are coming up with new, more Byzantine rules that you'll have to jump through all kinds of hoops to get this free babysitting money. But, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm sure I'm sure Mr. Osborne did a fine job of watching these kids, right? <laughs> you know? I could see him with a clicker in his hand. <laughs> yeah, right. 
<laughs> he's watching Oprah, you know, just and, and the kids in the toilet, you know, drinking out of the toilet if you're, with the you're dog. Lucky if if he's in the same house with them. I mean, lucky. Uh, you know, who knows what's going on? But his sister's not. His sister's not worried about him watching her kids. I'm not worried about it either. But I got to say that this is just extraordinarily inefficient. And I think that most government programs are run this inefficiently. And it just doesn't get, it doesn't get talked about. The good thing, though, is that because it's a sister's kids, the sister's probably pretty tough on him. So if she found out he was not doing you know, babysitting them properly... You know, I think she'd probably come down on her brother. She's probably tougher than, uh, you know, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I than would, a bureaucrat would be. I, I would agree yeah. with you on on that. And in this case, essentially, you can pick your babysitter. I, you know, I, she was comfortable with him. I guess I'm comfortable with him. Mm-hmm. Whatever. But I. But there's, the there's, a lot of, is crazy. there's a lot of stories out there of uncles molesting their ki- uh, kids, and you find out about it years later. Yeah, just because he's uh, charged with rape doesn't mean he's a child molester. Sure, it, sure, that's it, true. Yeah. Free Talk Live, 855-450-3733. Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. Are you looking for a concealed carry holster? Crossbreed Holsters is the home of the world-famous Super Tuck, the most comfortable concealed carry holster on the market today. Try one out and see how truly discreet and comfortable carrying concealed can be. And find out why we call it the ugliest holster you'll ever love. We are the standard others try to imitate. Get the original. Get your Super Tuck at CrossbreedHolsters.com. Again, that's CrossbreedHolsters.com. Five five four five zero three seven three three. That's the SACL toll-free call-in line here on Free Talk Live. It's Mark with you. And Wayne? Are you tired of watching the value of the dollar plummet? Yes. Are you tired of banks charging you fees? Yes. Do you want to take back control of your own money? Yeah. Take a look at Bitcoin. Bitcoin is the world's first decentralized, anonymous internet currency. It's gaining popularity every day. It's free to use, free to accept, and free from inflation forever. You can use Bitcoins anywhere in the world. And you you can uh, buy them, transfer them to other people free. I think there's a a fee generally to sell Bitcoins. I'm not 100% sure. I haven't sold any myself. Learn more. Visit weusecoins.org. You find out everything there. It's weusecoins.org. Org. Very, very innovative concept. It is an innovative concept, and I think that it could, uh, it has the potential of really changing how the world monetary system works. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the idea behind PayPal initially, and, you know, obviously it got co opted or whatever, but, uh, you know, a lot of people made money during that co opting. Could be you. Bitcoins, we use coins.org. Let's go to Kevin in Indianapolis. Kevin? Hey, Kevin. Hey, um, I heard the other night when you guys were talking about, uh, needed money because Ian wasn't there and you know he were having to pay for his services now and couldn't hurt what I thought you, 
do is maybe sell T-shirts that said "Free Ian," that kind of thing. Or yeah. how about how about this? Every night for ten minutes, the highest bidder uh, calls in, gives you a credit card number, or somehow you transfer the funds, and you give them ten minutes on air, uninterrupted. Oh boy, <laughs> that could be really bad, Kevin. Well, you have you're going to have to obviously screen it, but I mean, you talk about free talk, but yet it's they're pay, you know the, you know you want to raise money somehow. What do you think? I I I think that I I'm going to ask Ian. <laughs> <laughs> You don't want to free in that bad, huh? <laughs> well, it is free now. You can talk. You can come. You can talk freely, and you could get ten minutes on the air if your point is good. And and I don't think I'm interrupted. Well, sure. You know, what I mean, what I mean is, you don't. You must not want to free Ian from jail that bad. If you don't, yeah. the money, you know, the money's not going to free him. I mean, there's really no 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 amount of money can free him. Well, I don't know about that. Service, it would help pay for what. You're having it's not a terrible idea, and I will uh, float it past okay. Ian. But I suspect I suspect it'll get nixed. I know how our program director slash Ian is, and uh, this is day twenty-two of the Ian Freeman incarceration countup. And I, speaking of which, Kevin, thank you for the call. I had um, okay, you're welcome. thank you. I, I had a conversation with Ian today, and so I have a little update by phone, by telephone. Yep. Apparently, um, as for those that are in the know here, paying attention, he had put in a motion to reconsider and that uh, Judge Arnold, uh, John Arnold, I prefer not to call them judges, uh, John Arnold, the the man who, you know, proposes to make to have jurisdiction here, claims that, um, you know, that everything was fine and kicked the kicked it back with no explanation. Now, there does have to be an explanation because he um, he filed in on what Article 18, which is uh, cruel and unusual punishment, disproportionate punishment to the crime. Mm-hmm. Um, the other three people who did this, they either had their charges dropped or were got no time or anything like that. So he was the one of the four people that did this, got 90 days. The only one that got sentenced to really anything, anything of uh, that he had to do. There were certainly suspended sentences and that kind of thing. They suspended part of his sentence, too. They gave him a year, suspended everything but 90 days, which was a departure up from the uh, 60 days that the, the lower court had given him. And this um, – but the judge gave no explanation. So kicked it back with no explanation. Apparently, John Arnold retired or is retiring this week. Oh, made his mark before he retired. Apparently, huh? um, there is some kind of the, there's a brand new judicial committee, oversight committee that has been put in place by the basically the free staters and liberty type activists in the New Hampshire House in order to rein in some judges that just think they can do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. And there is a complaint about John Arnold in there from a father uh, you know, one of the one of these fathers that's having a terrible time dealing with uh, the courts as far as seeing his kid. Now, remember the guy who set himself on fire in front of the Keene courthouse a few months ago, Tom Ball. He was in front of John Arnold too. Mm-hmm. So you know, apparently this this judge has a high capacity to be able to just sort of ignore uh, people's um, unhappiness with his services. And now, it sounds like he's not being fair and impartial. He's he's maybe involving his own power trip in, in the sentencing? You'd think that a person who was being paid to arbitrate would do a better job at making uh, you know all the parties happy. That, that's what I would believe somebody who's good at arbitrating would do, is that they would at least be happy enough that they don't set themselves on fire. Because that's a, that's a high level of unhappiness with the level of service that they've managed, that this guy was getting out of the court for over 10 years. And 
you know, the criminal charges that he had been ch- charged with were dropped. Um, he just wasn't being allowed to see his kids for no, really no good reason. I could go into the story, but we've we've gone into it in the past, and that's not really what this is about. This is about uh, uh, John Arnold, and so I guess for, for whatever reason, there's a, a he's you know, for whatever reason his, for his timing, he's he's uh, resigning, and. Ian was putting in another motion. So apparently his other motion is now going to get seen by another judge, which mm. could only be good. Yeah. Now, uh, some new guy coming in, I'm not imagining that he's going to be really zippy and responding to these things. And I'm not 100 percent sure how long they have to do this stuff. I think that the state has 10 days and I'm not sure what you know, how long the judge has to respond, probably as long as they want. Could Ian could be out before uh, this happens. But. You know, folks like Hope, and here's a small, here's a, here's a glimmer. Um, I would not once again. Smart money's on sixty days to ninety days for for Ian. The reason I'm not counting down is because we don't know. He was sentenced to ninety days. He, there's a, they have a good time system there. He could be out at as, at as few as sixty, but I would think that they're somewhat inefficient in the administering of that. That sixty could probably be you know sixty five easily, and they'd still feel like oh yeah yeah you got out in good time isn't that great? And so there's no reason to try to you know imagine that you're going to. <laughs> would you would you consider Ian a model prisoner? Uh, he seems to be doing what he's you know what what's expected of him. Yeah, he's. Well, I think he's a model citizen in in so many ways. He and, stood in front of that police car because he believed what they were doing was unjust. Um, no one can uh, people can argue that Ian is annoying, and I will concur with them. I you know no who I have worked with the guy for the last decade. I know him probably better than anybody at this point. I'm sure Gandhi was annoying to some people too. I yeah I don't know I I don't know if Ian's a Gan- is our modern day Gandhi <laughs> or not, but uh, you know history history will decide that. But you can't argue that Ian's not moral. Ian's extraordinarily moral. He's yeah. immoral in a way that most people can't be. And he just takes this stuff so literally and means it. And, mm. you know, he. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. And I think about him every day. And even though a lot of us might not agree with him on everything, including you and I, Mark, mm-hmm. you know, you got to respect him. He, he's principled. He's, principled. he's moral. He's, and, and he's, he's honest to his word. And, you know, I frankly, the, the way the court treated him seems vindictive to me. Um, and, you know, there's there's so many things wrong with his particular case. Just, you know, he was the the the, the lady that they were trying to cart off for uh, drinking beer was like 40 feet away from a restaurant where people were drinking beer. So she was she was 40 feet from the beer drinking zone. Yeah. Um, the and judge, she's having her boobs painted, too. Right. Well, that much is true. <laughs> yeah. Um, the judge called him the leader of Free Keen, which... Who's the leader of Free Keen? What, what what are you talking about? Well, the, like web, the website like he's is a, the, a, a criminal mastermind, or right? Something. But well, the website is probably in his name, I would imagine. Yeah, but he's not talking about Free Keen as a website. He's call, talking about Free Keen as a movement, yeah. and as if he leads those people there. The judge said the judge when Ian asked the judge who he represented in the court, mm-hmm. the judge said he represented the state. The state was the man standing next to the the man standing next to Ian claimed to be the state also. So apparently the judge was representing the prosecutor. I mean, that's that's just the term that these people use. Yep. Um, All the other guys got zero days. The cop was waylaid maybe 45 seconds, 90 days for 45 seconds. Sounds like a railroad to me. And the speedy trial thing. It was more than a year ago. Free Talk Live, 855-450-3733. If you want to move to the free state and you're 
looking for some real estate. Well, I know a guy who's really great. It's the Porcupine Realtor. Do you want a home with 20 acres, a lakeside cabin? Any takers for renters, buyers, and sellers too? Mark Warden is the guy for you. PorcupineRealtor.com Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL toll-free call-in line, 855-450-3733. You know that cigarettes are not good for your health. No. In some cases, you know, a lot of people dying from lung cancer, it's probably from cigarettes. You ever notice when people smoke a lot, when they laugh, they cough? (laughs) Yeah, they... You know, you hear stories of people that live till they're 100 that smoke and stuff like that. And I'm not going to say that those things don't happen, but I am going to go out on a limb and say the cigarettes are very bad for most people. I call them coffin nails. Yeah, they're they're not not particularly good for you. Generally, I think that there's, you know, I think that there are people that have just, you know, incredible genetics. Yeah, incredible genetics, constitutionally strong lungs, whatever. But you're really playing the lottery if you Mm -hmm. are expecting to be that person. Well, there are uh, there is a better option. It's called an e-cigarette, and it is uh, twenty two thousand times healthier. Now, uh, the internet's full of e-cigarettes, and you have to be careful of which one you're getting. If you don't get the one a one with a big enough uh, vaporizer unit in it, it's going to be an un- unhappy situation. It's not going to be you're not going to enjoy it, and you're going to go back to cigarettes. But if you get a good one like Vaporsmiths. With a big vaporizer that, uh, you know, is a nice sturdy construction, you're going to be happy with it and you're going to use it. So go to Vaporsmiths.com and you can get a free starter kit. You can get free shipping if you just purchase 40 cartomizers. Those are the things that contain the nicotine in them with coupon code FTL. Now, you'll already start saving money when you switch to e-cigarettes in general because it's just cheaper. There's, a, you know, there's no taxes on it and um, it's just a, you know, it, it's, a, it, it's, it's a more cost-effective product. You can get the free shipping and the free cardamizers with the 40, uh, 40 cardamizers by using coupon code FTL at vaporsmiths.com or calling 855-2-GET-VAPOR. Vaporsmiths.com, 855-2-GET-VAPOR. Mm. And it is a nice unit. It uh, has some weight in your hand and feels uh, like it's you know, constructed nicely. And my experience with it was that it was. So here's an interesting article from telegraph.co.uk regarding climate change. Now, I have, um, you know, been watching this climate change thing, and I'm kind of curious about it because the science shows that carbon dioxide in these models that they introduce that increase levels of carbon dioxide do increase, uh, you know, it's a greenhouse gas and it causes, uh, you know, heating. But this is uh, the, the, the globe to heat more. But. That doesn't take everything into account. Mm-hmm. One thing when you have more carbon dioxide is plants grow more. But Mark, the science is settled. I'm not sure that the science is entirely settled. Doesn't that make you suspicious when someone says the science is settled? Do this. Let's do the carbon taxes because I want to make a lot of. I want to make billions of dollars. Well, I think that the um, science is settled on some things, right? <laughs> well, yes and no, I mean, to a certain level. But science is very nuanced. Admittedly, those uh, you know, the science will will uh, put finer and finer points on some things, but it, we have a pretty good understanding of gravity at this point, for instance. Um, however, when it comes to this 
climate change, I do think that there are a lot of people that are getting that, that have potential to make a lot of money, have made a lot of money, sure, and have potential of making well, a lot more. Well, when WikiLeaks came out with that whole expose on uh, East Anglia University f- uh, fudging the data, I read through the emails and I read through the source code, and it was obvious to me that they were trying to fudge the data to keep the because they were upset that the warming trend had stopped and things were getting cooler now. And, and and also just the coefficient they put in the source code to make the graph look like it was keep, it, it was getting warmer. There are a whole bunch of other factors. There's also the factor that uh, over time... I couldn't understand this stuff when I looked at it. Um, you know, I I saw some scientists uh, being, you know, that didn't really like the idea that the public didn't believe them. I saw mm-hmm. that. Sure. But see, a lot of other agencies, even like NASA, was told to use the data from East Anglia University. So a lot of the uh, scientific organizations around the world were, were, were using, using data. that data, which was faulty. And then if you consider also that the measuring tools that they used to measure temperature, some of them weren't even around later on in, in, the, in, the, uh, in, in the years of, of the so-called data because they were either in rural areas and they were taken out. Most of them were taken out in rural areas where it was cooler. Yes, uh, and you know when the cities, cities when the cities expand, they have more heat because more concrete. Sure. So there are a lot of things that really made that even if the study, if the if the data was accurate, which it wasn't, it was fudged. But even if it was accurate, it's still suspect because of of the methodology. So this article, uh, very interesting. Seems like there's some new um, inf- information out. This is from James Dellingpole, and. You know, I, like I said, I, th- I still think there's more, you know, more space to go here, but I, I think one needs to keep a skeptical eye. Also, even if global warming is true, even if man-made global warming is true, I should mm-hmm. say, I think that the worst organizations to handle this are governments. Sure. They're the very worst organizations because generally whatever governments try to do, they fail at and then get more money to, in order to fail more so they can get more money. So if you believe in man-made global warming and this article mm-hmm. by this guy is wrong, and it may be, I don't know this. I'm yeah. not going to make that claim. I simply don't know. The last thing you want is an agency of monopolistic coercion taking care of this because right. they're going to screw it up. Big time. The only thing that's going to save the world is, you know, scientists with tech, you know, working on technology, if, if this is the case, working on technology to fix these problems. Well, the man-made uh, emissions in this world, obviously the sun has, has probably more to do with climate, in my opinion, than anything. But it is a big, even, even the human factor, I'm all for reducing the human footprint on this earth. That's a good thing. And, and you won't get any argument from me, me about this, but the human factor, the human part portion of, of this warming or whatever emissions that humans make, a lot of it has to do with, with the fact that we, our energy system is based on, is being run by cartels. Mm. If you want to drive a car right now, an electric car, there aren't that many good ones because technology, there hasn't been an incentive for technology to make sure. an electric car that, would, that most people could use. Now, there are some now, but they're really expensive, and the resources... Yeah, but the resources uh, to make an electric motor and batteries is still pretty heavy. Those batteries scare me. Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, I <laughs> they bother me with the way on on the environment, what mm-hmm. they do to the environment. Those batteries. Well, a few years back, you had done the story about the water car inventor who was murdered. So, I don't remember it. Yeah, it was it was a few years back, but okay. I remember that story. It was on YouTube, and there there have been numerous stories of other people who have created something that would be. Uh, more beneficial and, and less harmful to uh, the earth, let's say, and less resource intensive. But it seems like the cartels that control certain industries want to stay in power. They want to keep making money. And so why don't we talk about the cartels? Why don't we talk about having a free market in energy and, and in transportation? 
where where disruptive technologies are allowed, and then you would see the human emissions plummet. That's my opinion. Let's go on with this article by uh, James Dillingpole. If Michael Crichton had lived to write a follow-up to State of Fear, the plot line might well have gone like this. A top-secret state-of-the-art laboratory in Switzerland, scientists finally discover the true cause of global warming. It's the sun, stupid. (laughs) More scientifically, as the uh, Danish physicist Heinrich Svinsmark has long postulated, it is the result of cosmic rays, which act as a seed for cloud formation. The scientists working on the project are naturally euphoric. This is a major breakthrough, which will not only overturn decades of misguided conjecture in the so-called man-made global warming, but will spare the global economy trillions of dollars which might otherwise have been squandered in utterly pointless efforts to reduce anthropogenic CO2 emissions. However, these scientists have failed to realize just how many people, alarmists, scientists, huckster politicians, rent-seeking landowners like the late Michael Crichton's brilliant and, of course, entirely fictional creation, the absurd, pompous Sir Reginald Leeds BT, green activists, Eco-fund managers, EU technocrats, MSM, I guess that's mainstream media, environmental correspondents stand to gain from man-made climate change, from the man-made climate change industry. Yes, that's right. And back in 1998, Ken Lay, remember the crook from Enron, who's, who's now passed away, he and, and our former vice president there, you know who, uh, basically cooked up this whole carbon trading scheme. And they were going to make billions of dollars. In fact, um, the former Vice President Gore was featured, I believe it was either Time or Newsweek, just before this whole scandal came out, where he was projected to be the first carbon billionaire. So carbon trading is nothing more than another fiat currency, another financial bubble, which they were masterminding, demonizing carbon. Now, this sounds like a conspiracy theory, but this is all documented. So... You know, real environmentalists care about about uh, each the, themselves. And, and if you're if he was so concerned about the the uh, sea levels rising, why did he, he buy a house recently right on the water? It's a good question. A mansion. Well, um, <laughs> let me finish this promo here. This imaginary okay. promo. The discovery must be suppressed at all costs. So one by one, the scientists in the cosmic ray project find themselves bumped off until only one man remains and must race against time to prove, etc., etc. Except, of course, the real world, the second part, wouldn't happen. No one would need to go through the trouble of bumping off those pesky scientists with their awkward, annoying facts and their proper actual research. That's because the mainstream media and the scientific community would find it perfectly easy to suppress the story anyway, without recourse to severed brake cables or ricin um, impregnated hand washes or staged suicides. That's exactly what happened with the latest revelations from CERN over this landmark cloud experiment, whose significance Lauren Solomon explains here. I'll go on with this shortly. Yeah, I want to hear about this. 855-450-3733, Free Talk Live. Are you looking for camping, hunting, or shooting gear? ManVentureOutpost.com carries knives, ammunition, scopes, binoculars, laser sights, fish finders, and boating equipment from manufacturers like Aimpoint, Bushnell, Otterbox, Crimson Trace, K-Bar, Remington, Streamlight, Winchester, and more. ManVentureOutpost.com. Family owned and members of the Better Business Bureau. Prices so low, some can't be advertised. Get an additional 5% off with coupon code FTL. Get it quick. Get it from ManVentureOutpost.com.
Free Talk Live, 855-453. It's a single toll-free call in line, 855-450-3733. Check out freetalklive.com where website's interactive. You can go there and post, or I guess not post, you link to blogs, blogs, stories, pictures, whatever you'd like, and people can vote up your stuff. You can vote up other people's stuff, vote it down. It's uh, very interactive, freetalklive.com. Now, we were... Um, at the uh, end of last hour, talking about this very interesting article from telegraph.co.uk from a, a one Mr. James Dinglepole. Dillingpole. Dillingpole. That's right. I like Dinglepole better. It's fun. The, um, <laughs> I do, too. The, and, but, you know, what he's talking about here is that uh, apparently there's some revelations from CERN, which is this, you know, important sounding scientific place in in europe and didn't they invent the internet i think that they may have and are they, they have the a super glider or something? that's what that's the project they've been working on lately but they've done a lot in the area of science over, yep. over the years so and um, i guess there's some interesting stuff there the sta- the the science is now all but settled on global warming convincing new evidence demonstrates but al gore the ipcc and other Global warming doomsayers won't be celebrating. The new findings point to cosmic rays and the sun, not human activities, as the dominant controller of climate on Earth. The research published with little fanfare this week in the prestigious journal Nature comes from uber-prestigious CERN, the European Organization for Nuclear Research. Apparently those people don't know how to use acronyms. CERN doesn't, isn't anything like European Organization for Nuclear Research. Must be written in some other language or something. One of those uh, world's uh, one of the world's largest centers for scientific research involving sixty countries and eight thousand scientists at more than six hundred universities and national laboratories. CERN is uh, the organization that invented the World Wide Web that built the billion multi billion dollar Large Hadron Collider. It's a very interesting name, and that has now built a uh, pris- pristinely clean. St- Pristinely clean? Yes. That's not the right word. reference for pristine. Uh, a clean stainless steel chamber that precisely recreated the Earth's atmosphere. In this chamber, 63 CERN scientists from 17 European and American institutes have done what global warming doomsayers said could never be done. Demonstrate that cosmic rays promote the formation of molecules that in the Earth's atmosphere can grow and seed clouds. The cloudier and thus cooler... Um, the the cloudier and thus cooler it will be because the sun's magnetic field controls how many cosmic rays reach the Earth's atmosphere. The stronger the sun's magnetic field, the more it shields the Earth from incoming cosmic rays from space. The sun determines the temperature on Earth. So, if it's so great, why aren't we hearing more about it? Well, possibly because the director general of CERN, Rolf Dieter Huer, would prefer it that way. Here's how he poured cold water on the results in an interview with Die Welt Online. I've asked the colleagues to uh, present the results clearly, but not to interpret them. That would go immediately into the highly political area of the climate change debate. One has to make clear that cosmic radiation is only one of many parameters. And I think that this is absolutely true. It's just that I don't think it's being shown to people. People aren't getting their op- you know, getting getting the whole story on this. And I, t- I, I know, I know that um, 
that the carbon dioxide is a greenhouse gas if it's done in models and things like that. But, you but see, there are all kinds of other factors. Yes, there what are. What if carbon dioxide is being released in the atmosphere and causing the globe to warm, but we're going into a little ice age? Sure. And you know, it's the globe isn't warming as a result. Mm-hmm. You know, you can. And also, can, if you look at that so-called hockey stick graph they used to show. They're showing a limited time frame, but if you actually back up and look at it for the last thousand years or so, you find out that hockey stick ain't diddly squat compared to some of the heat waves and, and warming trends the Earth has had in the past without as many humans on Earth and without all the internal combustion engines because a volcano erupting will cause more in a year or even less than all the human activity in known history. Volcanoes put a lot of particulate matter up into the atmosphere. And but I'm, no just, doubt that I'm just angered. And, and really ticked off because last week uh, Mr. Gore likened uh, climate change st- skeptics to the racists in the 60s before the Civil Rights Act. Mm. I mean, that's how desperate these people are becoming. And see, they used to call well, it global warming, and now they call it climate change because I think because the data is starting to show that 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 um, the whole theory about anthropogenic global warming making a huge significant difference is really um, – uh, on, on on this last legs and the other even if it is um, even if it's true remember that you're not getting the full story they're claiming the carbon's the big problem but, but that's what plants live on carbon dioxide that much is true so if you want to be green don't you want the plants to have more food that much is true <laughs> but methane is a much bigger problem and you you know they, what they won't say yep. what they refuse to say is things mm-hmm. like well you could do more for the environment by driving a diesel you know a big giant uh, semi to work and then eating uh, you know, a vegetarian lifestyle, or stop bombing could, people with depleted uranium. How about that one? Well, that's certainly not good for the environment too. But I don't think yeah. it has anything to do with global warming. Sure, it's, sure. It's but I'm just saying about pol- polluting the earth, though. Just polluting in general, destroying most people, most people that um, that are for you know a cleaner planet the environmentalists and that kind of thing aren't going to be for using depleted uranium on uh people so you're not you're not talking to a crowd that's going to disagree with you but mark you're looking at somebody who is for a cleaner planet sure but i think that we have to get our priorities a little straighter here i'm with you it's not falling for the flavor of the month because any movement that ends up being somewhat worthwhile which which would include environmentalism is going to eventually get hijacked by people with a lot of money who want to use it to make a lot of money well, off to, of. to some extent, these folks are watermelons, right? They're green on the outside and red on the inside. Yes. Um, and, you know, to some extent, that's true. I've tried to look at this from as objective standpoint as I can possibly come up with. And I tend to kind of bounce around a little bit because I, I, you know, the, the science is there for uh, carbon dioxide and other greenhouse glasses, gra- ga- gases in models warming the atmosphere it's no doubt but there's a lot more to it than models right the models can be faulty as well but 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 again if you're really an environmentalist there's a lot of of bigger fish to fry there's a lot of better trees to be climbing than the whole global warming thing i think you, unless, it's misguided unless there's a lot of money to be made for you in this and and there is a lot of money yeah. for people and i i think that the energy independence from this you know more this greeny this eco greeny movement is probably going to be a, a an all in all good thing. I would like to be energy independent because absolutely I, you know it really bothers me the you know the government's monopolies on energy they have no reason to respond to market forces because they have monopolies and that but kind state of and local uh, state federal um, governments actually make more money on a gallon of gasoline than the oil companies do oh absolutely a lot more a lot more a lot more so 
that that's the other problem that eliminating fossil so-called fossil fuels from the equation is not that easy because governments are dependent on the taxes from them. Absolutely. You're asking them to cut their noses off, um, you know, to, to harm themselves. And they're not really interested. And in then doing if that. you don't let the marketplace decide these things, what happens is you have this debacle with the corn ethanol where they they subsidize corn ethanol, ethanol production. They drive the price of corn up. A lot of poor people in Mexico and in places that depend on corn as their staple, uh, their food prices have gone through the roof. Well, plus the fact that uh, it turns out that corn produces nitrous oxide, which is a greenhouse gas, and so therefore isn't doing the things that they wanted it to do in the first place. It's actually worse for the environment. Than they, yeah, the, 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 the pollution the from, from uh, gas cut with, with ethanol is, is worse than just gasoline alone. Yep. A. Secondly, if you look at all the inputs you put into growing corn, it's actually neutral. You're not actually gaining any energy output from raising corn. Actually, uh, switchgrass or uh, sugarcane are, are better ways to produce ethanol, but because of the tariffs against Brazil, who's a big sugarcane producer, it makes that too expensive. Plus the fact that um, with the GMO corn that's out there, they use a great deal of pesticides and herbicides, um, you know, actually herbicides specifically, that, um, you know, they spray on to uh, get mm-hmm. rid of the weeds and that kind of thing. Then these things leak into the, uh, the the rivers and water supplies and rivers and they go downstream and there's this dead area out on, in the Mississippi Delta that's the size of New Jersey. I mean, yeah. all this herbicides going in there and killing the plants, which yeah, kills the animals, which kills everything. I mean, how much bigger does that thing have to get? What about I find the, it frightening. What about the genetic pollution from all the GMO crops that haven't been know. tested? On, they haven't been tested properly. I have, I'd like to see some evidence on that. Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. I've started playing a new online game. It's called Mine Things. It's a free online mining game. It's all in your browser. There's nothing to download. Your little mining robot guy can mine for you 24-7. You don't even need to be logged in. You compete with other players for resources in a capitalist economy. The virtually mined gold demonstrates the concept of sound money and is exchanged between players tax-free. They even accept bitcoins. Go to MineThings.com, use coupon code FTL, and double your mining speed. It's free. MineThings.com. Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL toll-free call-in line, 855-450-3733. What is SACL CAI, you say? SACL CAI has a full-orbed approach to account recovery. It's really three companies in one. They do collections, early outbilling, and they purchase Excuse me, charged off receivables. SACL knows that the way they treat your customer reflects on you. Their staff is respectful. They record every call, and they have the best equipment money can buy so that your business is handled as efficiently as possible. You can see their banner at freetalklive.com. It's SACL, C-A-I. Mm-hmm. Give us a call, like I said, it's 855-450-3733. Wait, mean, let's get back into this article about... Uh, Pollution. Global climate change. So... The, um, the, 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 the head over there, I guess uh, Rolf Dieter Huer, uh, said that, well, we're going to release this information, but nobody's going to um, be allowed to interpret it because that would immediately uh, go immediately into the highly political arena of climate change debate. One has to make clear that cosmic radiation is only one of many parameters. Nigel Calder, who's been following the cloud experiment for some time, 
was the first to smell a rat. He notes, CERN has joined a, joined a long line of lesser institutions obliged to remaining politically correct about the man-made global warming hypothesis. It's okay to enter the highly political arena of the climate change debate, provided your results endorse man-made warming, but not if they support Svenmark's heresy that the sun alters the climate by influencing cosmic ray influx and cloud formation. And the once illustrious CERN Laboratories ceases to be a truly scientific institution when its director general forbids its physicists and visiting experimenters to draw obvious scientific conclusions from their results. Mm-hmm. Lobos Motl, too, detects some dubious st- double standards here. One could perhaps understand if all scientists were similarly gagged and prevented from interpreting the results of their research in ways that could be relevant for policymaking, however... Yes, and this goes on all the time in the scientific community. That's why when someone says the science is settled, you have to be very suspicious. However, the main problem is that many people who are trying to work on very different phenomena in the climate are not prevented from interpreting, and indeed over-interpreting and misinterpreting their results that are often less serious, less reliable, less rigorous, and perhaps by orders of magnitude than the observations by the European Organization for Nuclear Research, CERN. Moreover, this sentence by Hoer, one has to make clear that cosmic radiation is only one of many parameters, is really a proof of his prejudice. Whether the cosmic radiation is just one player, or the only relevant player, or an important player, or an unimportant player, is something that is uh, that this very research has been supposed to determine or help determine. An official doesn't have the moral right to predetermine in advance what one has to make clear about the um, these uh, po- uh, priori unknown scientific results. I, I know that word is important in science. I don't know what it means. But then, as uh, Lawrence Salmon, Salmon, uh, Solomon reminds us, this was never an experiment the scientific establishment wanted to happen in the first place. The hypothesis that cosmic rays and the sun told the, hold the key to global warming debate has been enemy number one to the global warming establishment ever since it was first proposed by two scientists from the Danish Space Research Institute at a 1996 scientific conference in the UK. Within one day, the chairman of the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, Bert Bolin, denounced the theory, saying that, I find the move from this, uh, from this pair scientifically extremely naive and irresponsible. He then set about discrediting the theory. Any journalist that gave the theory credence and uh, most of the Danes presenting the theory, they soon found themselves vilified, marginalized, and starved of funding, despite, the, despite their impeccable scientific credentials. The mobilization to rally the press against the Danes worked brilliantly, and with one notable exception. Nigel Calder, a former editor of The New Scientist who attended that 1996 conference, would not be cowed. Himself a physicist, Mr. Calder became convinced of the merits of the argument, and a year later, following a lecture he gave at a CERN conference, so too did Jasper Kirkby, a CERN scientist in attendance. Mr. Kirkby then convinced the CERN bureaucracy of the theory's importance and developed a plan to create a cloud chamber. He called it cloud for cosmic leveling outdoor droplets. But Mr. Kirkby made the same tactical error that the Danes had, not realizing how politically politicized the global warming issue was. He candidly shared his views on the, his views with the scientific community. 
the theory will probably be able to account for somewhere between half and the whole of the increase in the Earth's temperature that we have seen in the last century. No one's saying that there hasn't been a rise in the temperature overall. Yeah, Yeah, there was. Mr. Kirkby told the scientific press in 1998, explaining that global, global warming may be part of a natural cycle in the Earth's temperature. The global warming establishment sprang into action, pressured the Western governments that control CERN, and almost immediately succeeded in suspending Cloud. It told Mr. Kirkby almost a decade of um, it took Mr. Kirkby almost a decade of negotiations with his superiors and who knows how many compromises and unspoken commitments to convince CERN bureaucracy to allow the project to proceed, and years more to create the cloud chamber and convincingly validate the Danes' groundbreaking theory. Still. As you'd expect, the BBC remains dutifully on message. Read this report by its uh, science correspondent, uh, Polab Gohosh, and you'll be left in a uh, little doubt that, A, the latest results are dull beyond measure, and B, that if they do mean anything at all, it's that global warming is still very much man-made. Here's their tame expert reading uh, the university's uh, Dr. Mike Lockwood on hand to provide them with a a perfect poll quote. Does this mean the cosmic rays can produce clouds? No. So the exact opposite, apparently, of what they uh, came up with uh, as a result. These people, though, are are relentless. I I mean, you you keep hearing all this. I mean, it's it's one of the first laws of propaganda. You keep repeating the lie over and over and over again until people believe it. But I know that a lot of them are being very frustrated now that that are in this camp. And well, it it can't stand up to the scientific method. This, these yeah. lies can't stand up to the scientific method. I sincerely hope scientists continue to, uh, you know, I because mean, <laughs> if they don't, they're not scientists anymore. Mm-hmm. If they aren't sticking with the scientific method. Now, I don't know. I'm not going to claim to know. I'm just reading the article here, and I think that it's, uh, you know, it, it, it seems insightful to me. Seems like there's some new groundbreaking stuff coming out of CERN. CERN sounds like a big name to me. Sure they are. But you can see how they're, they're already trying to muffle and squelch the scientists and try to muzzle them uh, to try to uh, come out with what they believe is, is uh, or, you know, to a political agenda rather than a scientific agenda. I'm all for science, but we have to realize that scientists are pressured to come out with certain results. And if, they, if they're getting a grant, let's say, to uh, look at a certain thing, and it doesn't come out the way the sponsor the benefactor wants, what they do is that a lot of times they're pressured to go back and fudge the numbers or change the methodology or the scope of the study to make it come out in the benefactor's favor. It happens all the time. I don't, yeah, I, I couldn't say, I mean, how, how could you, you know, how could you know that? I'd love to, well, I'd love to get as many of those instances, um, you know, and talk about them as we could, because I don't know of them happening, but I can tell you that would really, that, you know, <laughs> that would entirely not be science. Well, you can see an example of it right here. How's that? Here? Yeah. Well, they didn't change any of the numbers. They're just trying to downplay the results. Oh, that's no, another no that's deal. another method, yeah, but you're right. Certainly. Free Talk Live, 855-450 free. It's a SACL toll-free call in line. Do you have any opinions on global warming? Have you ever wished that you could buy, sell, and trade in silver in your community? Dell Valley Silver has a no-cost turnkey setup for you. You recruit six to eight businesses in your area to accept Dell Valley Silver rounds as barter currency, and your wish is granted. You get paid, and you promote the use of real money. This isn't like so many other silver currency setups where it's really just a system to sell high-priced rounds. It's a free market system based on Austrian economics. DellValleySilver.com. DellValleySilver.com. 
Talk Live, 855-453. It's a single toll-free call in line. Wayne, tell me about the Free State Project. The Free State Project is a movement to get 20,000 people moved to New Hampshire, who the people being liberty lovers who want to create a more just, more civilized society where the maximum role of government is the protection of life, liberty, and property, and that's about it. And, and uh, we're up to, what, about, about 1,000 movers at this point? About 1,000 movers, and there's about 11,000 uh, people who have pledged to move up here. That's right. And uh, it's moving along pretty well. Yeah, things are going uh, reasonably well. There's been quite a few uh, you know, steps forward through the legislatures. We've gotten many liberty-loving individuals elected to office. Um, you know, It's not happening in many other states. There's uh, all kinds of uh, liberty-oriented um, bills getting introduced. Some are getting passed, and uh, it's great to see. What we have right now is the libertarian veto. And this is an important factor because it controls the growth of the state and to me that's the most important aspect of this if we can just if you can just control the the growth of this beast you can grow your way out of its um you know stifling grasp that's true that's right and i think there's been a lot of influence by these people who have run for office and won even when they don't always get a, a bill passed that they sponsor there's still a lot of I think positive influence over a lot of the other members of, of the state house. Go check out news.freetalklive.com. It's a great way to get updates on Free Talk Live, either the through the emailed updates, Twitter, Facebook. It's news.freetalklive.com. So this article, maybe I should have led with it. I think it's one of the, the most shocking articles that we've had to deal with. This is actually a blog post from Bike Walk Tennessee at uh, – BikeWalkTN.blogspot.com. That's the name of the town, Bike Walk. No, no, it's oh. the, the name of the. I, I don't. I don't know what it means. Bike and walk. I guess it's encouraging people to move without the use of uh, motor vehicles. Oh, nice. I guess that's the idea. Makes you sense. You know, I would love to live in a place where I could get around by bike or, or by walking most of the time. Certainly, um, I, I think that I think that that would be great to build um, communities like that are like that. Keen mm-hmm. in a lot of ways is like that. Could you be arrested for allowing your fifth grade child to ride? her bike one mile to school that certainly seems crazy as we try to encourage lifestyles um, active lifestyles for our kids that certainly seems crazy as we try to promote safe routes to school programs that certainly seems crazy as we talk of an obesity epidemic amongst our children but that is what police in elizabethton tennessee are threatening Teresa tryon said on August 25th, my 10-year-old daughter arrived home via police officer. Requested to uh, speak to me on the front porch of my home, the officer informed me that, in his judgment, it was unsafe for my daughter to ride her bike to school. Miss Tryon called the mayor's office and the chief of police in order to determine what laws she was breaking by allowing her daughter to ride, to ride her bike to school. Her daughter's route to school was reasonably safe. Now, I, I don't know whether she's claiming that or whether the author's claiming that. Some, somebody's claiming that the daughter's route to, to school is reasonably safe. And, you know, when we're talking about this age, I was riding a bike. I don't know if it was a mile, but it seemed like it was pretty close to a mile to, uh, to get to the bus stop. And mm-hmm. I'd lock it up there, and then I'd, you know, take it back at the end of the day and that kind of thing. I used to have to walk almost a mile to school and barefooted sometimes. Oh, come on. In the snow. Get out of here. <laughs> Jeez. School is a mile away from me, too. Uphill both ways. Both ways. <laughs> it's amazing how they can do that. Um, 
let's see, uh, Major v- Var- Varan of the police department returned Miss uh, Tyron's call. She uh, said uh, said he told me he had to spoke with the district attorney's office who advised that until the officer can speak with Child Protective Services, that if I allow my daughter to ride or walk to school, I'll be breaking the law and treat it accordingly. So ride or walk indicates to me that we're not talking about a small shoulder on the road here, that this is an issue of the um, the guy in the candy van is going to come get this kid, as, is what I see this person uh, being concerned about. She asked, what law would she be breaking, to which the answer was child neglect. So it's another mm. one of these catch-all. Um, yeah. I mean, if letting your ten-year-old and I, you know, I mean, were there fewer child predators out when I was a kid? I don't think so. Well, my mom told me a story one time when she was a little girl. And this is probably back in the '30s or early '40s, yeah, where there was a man going around um, kidnapping children and, and then killing them, decapitating them, and a man uh, twice approached her and her sister walking home from school two different times. Same man. In, in a, a convertible, mm-hmm. and he had his, you know, thing out in his hand, and you know, I mean, he was strange. Yes, and uh, and they 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 ran away. They didn't because their mother always told them not to uh, talk with strangers. Yeah, especially if they have their thing in their hand. Yeah, especially. It's, I it's, think they saw that the second time, not the first time. But anyway, then they found out that this somebody had been going around and, and killing little girls. So my mother and her sister happened to be. Uh, informed about these things and didn't go anywhere near the guy and they took off running. And I think that this is really the um, issue is the communication is such now that these stories get around a lot more. Mm-hmm. I don't think that there's any more ch- ch- sex- child sexual predators uh, per-, per capita than there used to be. I think that now you just hear about them and it scares the bejesus out of people. Sure. The, the chances um, are remarkably good that the person, if the if your child is going to be molested, that you know who that person is and that they're related to you in some way or another. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you know, they're a, a a step parent to the child. They're an uncle or they're something like this. Aunt, I don't know. Um, you know, I mean, the fact is that women do these things just like men do. And I I got no explanations for it, but it's. You know, th- those are the cases. People are people worried about these. You know, folks on the street. The chances are much lower. Yeah, that's true. And you know what you are. You know, certainly teach your child is fear. And I don't want to live in a world full of fear. Frankly, you teach your child that uh, they can't. You know, no, no, we're gonna have to ride a car everywhere. You can't ride a bicycle. It's too dangerous. I dated a girl one time, and it seemed like to just her whole world was fear and locking doors, and you know, just an incredible. I'm not saying you shouldn't lock any doors. I'm just saying that when it, when you're consumed with this stuff, the world's an unhappy, frightening place, mm-hmm. one that you don't want to live in particularly. And I, you know, it's I. I don't see how you can have an enjoyment in your life. You know, I, I've taught, I've tried to teach my kids how to, how to defend themselves if someone would, were to try to grab them, how to make themselves heavy and become, you know, how you kids do that sometimes when they don't want to come, they just make themselves heavy and you can't pick them up. Yeah. And how to get break away and, and, you know, scream and just, just, and just explain the tactics that some of these people would use to try to take them uh, against their will. And I think that helps a lot. Well, I think yelling and running and yelling is probably a pretty, pretty good one. Excellent. Yeah. yeah. And I think being on a bike is safer than walking because I, you're, I you think can so go too. faster. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, when I'm out there on a bicycle, I, a person jogging can't get you. Yeah. Granted, if they're waiting for you along the path, they could do something. Sure. Um, this, this takes a lot of pr- uh, prior planning. Um, but 
you know, there's also the options of taking other routes mm-hmm. and things like that. This is a seven to nine minute bicycle ride to school. So you're not talking about a very long ride uh, for this this child. So I don't know if different routes really make um, make sense. I mean, you know, when you're talking about a short route, it's, it's going to be more difficult to, to have a different I'm, route. I'm also wondering if maybe there were some uh, cases in the area of kids getting picked up and maybe that's why they, they did that as well. Usually well, if a cop is going to say that, they might know something. They may. They they may, but but remember that these the same cop is the one that'll take this ten year old to jail if she brings mace to school right yeah. like the same guy um, you know <laughs> so the kid can't protect themselves they can't have um, some tool to protect themselves whether it's a you know a little taser mace or something like that um, you know I'm not saying I'd give a a, a Glock forty to a ten year old why not but I well you know I'd, I'd prefer them to be trained Maybe a nine millimeter at that age I'd like at, at that age I think I'd still like them to be in front of me while they're using it um, <laughs> yeah. some practice I don't remember what age I got my my BB gun uh, first, but it wasn't too long after that that my dad was taking me out and showing me how to, to fire the twenty two and mm-hmm. and things like that. And I think that those are those are good things for a child to learn at a young age. I wouldn't send a kid out with a ten, you know, my my ten year old with a uh, with a pistol, um, you know, and a mm-hmm. and a crossbreed holster, uh, super tuck deluxe um, st- stuck in their back, you know. Well, teaching your your, your child how to kick a man in the, in the groin is probably useful as long as they don't do it to you well it's it's better that they uh it's better that they run away in my opinion free talk live 855-450-3733 Bitcoins. You can buy them and you can sell them. They're a great little commodity. You can accept them for your own products and services. But what do you do once you have them? Why you spend them, of course. Spendbitcoins.com allows you to spend them all in one place. From spendbitcoins.com, you can spend your bitcoins at major online retailers such as Amazon, Fishpond, Barnes & Noble, memory dealers, and more. When you want to spend bitcoins, go to spendbitcoins.com. Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL toll-free call in line, 855-450-3733. We might be able to slip your call in here. You make it right quick. Free Talk Live, it's Mark with you. And Wayne. Wayne, what do you got for me? Prostitute meters? (laughs) Yes, according to uh, NBCBayArea.com, Greg Wilson wrote Before this you article. go on with that, I forgot to, I've got to get this uh, this live read in here. Go for it. Yep. Uh, incentives matter. Profession, Professor Angela Dills explains that incentives help economists predict individual behavior. What's difficult is determining all the ways a policy affects people's incentives and changes people's behavior. A good economist looks at not only the obvious incentives created by a policy, but also the less obvious effects. While you're there checking out this video, it's awesome. I picked it out uh, for learnliberty.org slash FTL. Please uh, show it to your friends and family. Put it on your Facebook and all the other ones there. Um, check out the Learn Liberty Academy, excuse me, the Liberty Academy link on the right-hand side of the page. It's a free online course for people that want uh, free online continuing education in economics, philosophy, liberty, and rights. It's the Liberty Academy at learnliberty.org slash FTL. Go on. Anyway, from NBCBayArea.com, a fellow named Greg Wilson wrote this interesting article about a German city that unveils prostitute meters. Streetwalkers have to get a nightly permit. 
because prostitution is legal in Germany, but collecting taxes from streetwalkers requires some creative efforts. I bet. <laughs> in Bonn, officials... It's, like, uh, it's like getting taxes from uh, waiter, waiters and waitresses. They don't, they don't claim all those tips. Yeah, and they're only getting paid minimum wage most of the time in restaurants. Less than, yeah. Yeah. Like 270 or something. In Bonn, officials have unveiled a meter that prostitutes must pay roughly $8 into each night to get a nightly permit to practice the world's oldest profession. So they've, they, you know, this is one of those situations where the government, um, instead of charging you an amount on what you make, you know, does this, does, does this disincentivize the ugly prostitutes? Is that the idea here? Um, you know, I mean, what if it's a bad night and, you know, versus the good nights? I mean, this, you know, it's just, uh, it causes problems. Uh, well, when you yeah, I've never, I've never partaken in this for whatever reason. I Nobody's going to believe you. Go ahead. <laughs> but I can say that $8 is not a lot of money. I would agree. $8 is not, a much, I, I, not I would, much money. I would think. But I would also think that since prostitution is legal in Germany, that it's not that much to get a prostitute. Not like what, you know, here in the United States, uh, I've heard that prostitutes cost usually about as much as a lawyer. An hour with a prostitute costs about as much as an hour with a lawyer in whatever town you're in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the places where it's legal and there's competition there you know the prices tend to go down and in germany i believe that they have prostitution all over the place in uh, the red light districts and so the the rates are much more reasonable as it were yep now, well the, yeah the article goes on to say freelance sex workers get an automated ticket much like a parking slip according to der spiegel officials say Taxing prostitutes who work out of fixed locations is simple, but streetwalkers could easily avoid duties. Yay. That's probably why they do it. (laughs) It's not fair that some women who work in establishments like sex centers or sauna clubs are taxed only because we can find them more easily there, city spokeswoman Monika Frommen says. Prostitution has been legal in Germany since 2002. Bufas, a sex worker advocacy group, called the flat fee unfair. Quote, we are against such special rules in, in favor of uh, the legal, legal equality of every worker, including matters of taxes, says spokesperson Beit uh, Leopold. Yeah, it's, it's always <laughs> tough with these foreign yeah, names. Yeah, these, these foreign names. But Frohnberg, uh countered that, countered that Bonn has a right to collect taxes, and this makes it possible. Quote, communities have a bit of room to adjust their own taxes, and we are legally granted the right to levy these taxes, she said. And I might add, at gunpoint. Well, yeah, at, at gunpoint, if necessary. If necessary, right. And it's funny, because in the article, it shows a picture of this really high-tech-looking device made by Siemens, which is a you know high-tech company. And it's for prostitution, and it's it, called it, Siemens. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like that. That's what's really ironic about it. And I didn't even get that at first. When I first looked at it, then I just went, whoa, <laughs> there's, a, there's a serious pun here. The, um, you know, obviously there's a lot of issues surrounding this. I, I think that uh, the prostitution being legal and being taxed is superior to prostitution being, uh, you know, illegal and, and not taxed. In, in the cases, in case of Germany, sex workers are tested for, uh, you know, sexually transmitted diseases, venereal diseases, things like this. And they are much less likely to uh, pass these things off um and you know they're going to use condoms and things like that it's you know it's just it's a safer experience less expensive it doesn't have the moralizing around it you know i understand my wife is certainly not going to think it's uh, okay for me to go to a prostitute that's not you know that's not going to be okay but i do think that um 
that you know that humans need physical contact. And even if that physical contact isn't genuine, um, it, it it keeps them from going crazy, frankly. Well, I know you don't believe me, Mark, but I have never partaken any kind of services from a prostitute because so of that reason. If, because I say, if I say that I've never partaken of services of a prostitute, do you believe me? I don't know whether to believe you or not. <laughs> I suppose if you're insistent enough. Well, now I have to insist. I can't just say it and you believe me. Well, I'm, I'm saying to, I, if... I wouldn't even say anything if I had. Okay. Okay. That that's how I am. But the reason why is that because I I, I never felt that intimacy level was as deep, and I, I don't I don't I personally don't think sex is just purely physical. That's my own feeling on it. Well, I I think that I think you're right, but when you can't get um, sex, you'll take the purely f- physical, as it were. Yeah, yeah. I think men tend to have high testosterone. There's times where they're just like dogs, I suppose. And but I think that I think it I think that the lack of of human touch can really be bad for somebody's mental state. I really do believe that um, you'll you know you have instances where um, that that you probably see a decrease in sex crimes. That you'd see a decrease in mental illness. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have uh, I've actually seen, um, you know, psychiatrists make this claim that you will see a decrease in mental illness if uh, if prostitute where prostitution's legal. And, well, you know, maybe there's maybe it's causation, maybe it's correlation. I'm not going to mm-hmm. I'm not going to be able to tell you that. I just, you know, it's it's my speculation. And, I, you know, not everybody can have a relationship. I mean, I'm all I'm all for a good committed relationship. I really am. I think mm-hmm. that there's a a lot to be had from that. But at the same time, I think that people need to be free to do with their bodies what they will. Absolutely. And the the fundamental reason for that is because they own their body, not you. And if, that and that's why I'm for the legalization of prostitution. Even though personally, I I wouldn't partake in it, even if it was legal. Right. I mean, if you can if you can tell somebody that they can't rent their body you know do do some sort of labor with their body and remember every other labor you're using your body to do some tasks some of those tasks are pretty unseemly um you know ask some plumbers what they've been fishing around in sometimes Mm -hmm. you know and there's so many things that you can do like these girls they can dance naked they can touch you um, you know you they can you know get you to buy drinks for them they can uh, lap, buy dance. lap dances you can do all these other sort of uh intimate massages they can do all kinds of things that skirt the issue but you know and and you know that many of these places is if they're connected they're not getting uh, with the the local officials they're not getting shook down so you then they're you're just going after these street walkers who are uh, you know spreading diseases around more so because they're not being uh, tested and that kind of thing this moralization causes pain in people's lives it doesn't stop prostitution it you know these laws against prostitution in this country don't stop prostitution. Nobody would say that they do. Well, it's another form of prohibition, and you never when you try to legal um, legislate morality, all you do is you take that that action that act and you drive it underground. It doesn't matter what it is, even if it's racism. You know the whole idea behind the Civil Rights Act by trying to legislate racism out of the U.S. That didn't that didn't uh, that act that law did not um, solve racism. Right. I mean, I'm not sure every um, law that's out there, but a lot of cases the laws were used to give preferential treatment to people because of race, and mm-hmm. then it caused a backlash. And this is you know this is the the thing. I believe I I believe that race is largely perceptual mm-hmm. and. That it you know shouldn't be the, the concern of anyone in any way, shape, or form. But at the same time, you need to let people be free. 
And if that's so, you can the marketplace can punish somebody for behavior sure. that it thinks is wrong. Well, or the whole lunch counter argument that they've used in the past with, with yep. discrimination, you know, uh, that that's tr- that's awful. I, I I'm I'm against someone doing that. Sure. However, to pass a law if, that if pro- uh, some guy you know flipping burgers says, tells um, you know a black guy to uh, beat it because he's black at a, a lunch counter. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna. I'm, I'm not gonna, gonna go there. there. Yeah. I'm not going there. However, I'll pay my bill and leave. However, Thanks. what if you're a bartender and a black guy comes in who's drunk and you don't serve him? Well, I. It could be very difficult yeah. for you, but uh, you're told not to serve people that are drunk. Exactly. It's tough. It's been Mark with you and Wayne on Free Talk Live. See you tomorrow. Until then, check out freetalklive.com. We'll have the uh, show playing for you. You can get uh, download archives. Uh, Free Talk Live's there for you. It's completely free. Free Talk Live.